Welcome to Digital Hospitality. I am your host, Sean Waltreff. Uh, for those of you that have been following the show, we're grateful that uh, you continue to subscribe. If you're new to the show, welcome. Uh, so much of this show is our deep thesis. This is so much bigger than a podcast, bigger than a video. This is about finding the humans um, that are doing the things that we call playing the game within the game. And today we have Brandon McCrill, who is the founder and CEO of Five Out. So you can find them at fiveout.io. You can find them on Instagram at fiveout underscore IO. Um, I can't tell you how fired up I am to, to relaunch our, our consistency with digital hospitality. And uh, there's no better person to have you on the show because of uh, what, you're, what you're doing. You're a restaurant owner who's crazy enough to get into the tech business. So let's get after it. Brandon, welcome to the show. Good to be here. Thank you. So let's uh, let, let's warm people up. Let's give us give us the uh, the restaurant tour side before we get into the tech side. Sure, um, it's twenty five years, so I will I will speak relatively quickly. But I did get started when I was fifteen. I was parking cars and washing dishes uh, in Detroit, Michigan, which is where I was originally uh, born and raised. And I was working in restaurants uh, through high school and into college. And I was going to uh, school in downtown Detroit. Um, and actually transferred uh, to Columbia, Chicago, and was working at a pizza place. And I can't tell you what led me to it or why, but I applied for a job at a restaurant that hadn't opened yet and ended up getting hired and fell into a career that I had never had meant for myself in the first place. And I was seven years into restaurants at this point, and that restaurant was a restaurant called Alinea. Um, and this was um, 2004. Um, and that restaurant ended up being a uh, three Michelin star, four star restaurant, one of the top 10 in the world. And I actually uh, made a career in restaurants uh, as a byproduct of having worked there and dropped out of school, much to my parents' chagrin, um, and just have been working on restaurants ever since. And from there, went on to work for uh, Down in Medea at Blackbird and Nevesque, and then let us entertain you at their two Michelin star restaurant, True, and then uh, recruited by um, Danny Myers Grouping and Square Hospitality Group to move to New York uh, to work for Danny at the Modern Museum of Art um, at the MoMA, and um, and then a slew of other restaurants uh, from John George to Alain Ducasse to David Burke to back to John George uh, to Marcus Samuelson, and then I actually started opening my own restaurants when I was 29. Um, in the Lower East Side of Manhattan on the Bowery. Opened up my first restaurant called Pearl and Ash in 2012, my second called Rebel in 2015. And then I got recruited by a publicly traded REIT to move to New Philadelphia uh, back in 2016. Opened up three restaurants with that group. And that's what I've been doing for the last 25 years on the restaurant side. That's in <laughs> it's, it's insane to think of uh, when you, I mean, that's why I love long form podcast and storytelling, digital storytelling, is it allows you to go back and kind of reflect on the journey to, to the inflection point of where we are now and where we're heading. Um, I think that's what's so exciting for me, having all of these platforms, bringing on people like you that literally are part of, uh, I mean, it, it's almost a revolution and it's a revolution in a good way because we're bringing hospitality to 
the people. It's, you know, so much of what we talk about when we talk about digital hospitality, you know, the, the essence of the show, it's, it's bigger than restaurants. You know, I think restaurants as restaurant leaders, as restaurant owners, we play a huge part in educating the rest of business, small business and big business, brick and mortar business, online business of what is truly hospitality. Where did you fall in love with hospitality? Where, when did you learn it? Because a lot of people like myself, to be honest, if I'm honest, and I show you a picture of me washing dishes when I'm 13 years old in my family restaurant, I hated it. I hated the restaurant business. That was not what, but it took me time. And as that time went on, I realized, oh, this is the thing that I'm supposed to do. It's connecting the people, bringing the village together. I think the magic moment for me was, um, again, going back to my experience at Alinea, I grew up um, in a household where fine dining or full service dining was not something that was common. Um, and so we didn't go out to eat often. When we went out to eat, we went to very casual restaurants and, and mostly ate at home and, and a lot of cooking at home. Um, and that was my upbringing. And so when I started working at Alinea, we, as a part of our training, had a one half of staff, front of the house staff sitting and the other front of the house, front of the house, half of staff serving. And then it was going to be a flip-flop. So for the first time ever in serving and seeing the food, one half of the front of the house staff would serve the other front of the house staff and then flip the next day. That first day exercise, I was part of group A that was sitting the first day and being served by group B ended up being a 13 and a half hour experience to walk to walk through at the time was a 28 course tasting menu. So for 38, 13 and a half hours, we sat and really? were served and talked about and shown 28 different dishes on a tasting menu that we would wow. eventually be opening up within a month and a half. And that is a mind blowing experience. If you have only eaten in diners and delis and, and things like that. And for me, that was the aha moment of understanding what food could be, what it could become, how it could speak to you, how people were thinking about it, because all of these recipes came from people's experiences, life experiences, points in their life of when I was spending time in this restaurant, yes. or this thing was happening to me in my life, or my grandmother used to do this, or in my family's home, we used to do that. And everything has a narrative and everything has a story. And it was all of that intertwined and interwined that really like knocked me on my feet. And then pair that with the deft level of focus and I would say, you know, comfortably obsessive level of execution required to exist yeah. inside of those environments, all those things stacking up. If you, if you are that type of individual, that stuff really dials you up and turns you on. And then you can take that and you can apply it at any level of the yeah. hospitality sector. And I've worked QSR, FSR, to the, the highest levels of fine dining, I own and operate today things that I would say sit somewhere in the middle to more approachable restaurants. But a lot of the ethos comes from what I learned in working in a lot of those fine dining houses. And so that's, I think, the thing that got me the most excited. What, what kept you up at night before you opened your first baby yourself, your first restaurant? What, what was it? What was the burning desire? To do it or that I was scared yeah. of? <laughs> either one. <laughs> so I was working for a restaurant tour immediately before I opened up my first restaurant. And he sat me down one day and he said, you are very good at what you do. And people are aware of that, though, you would be better off 
if you could come up with a, um, a more encompassing way of speaking to a larger audience about how to be able to get things accomplished. Because right now you are very good at talking to people who are very good at working in restaurants. And what you want to become is somebody who's very good at speaking to all walks of people in restaurants because restaurants are encompassing of all walks of people. I.e. he was saying, you need to manage your expectations. Not everybody is in this for the exact same reason that you are. Understand that, communicate that. And then he said the next thing, which was enlightening. I know that you're going to open up and operate your rest, your own restaurant one day, but today I need you to help me run this one this way. And that was another enlightening piece because I hadn't at that point contemplated that I actually was going to do that in a meaningful way. And it took somebody else telling me, yeah, you have that capability and you have that skill set. And then happenstance or serendipity or just, you know, sheer mathematics. The next restaurant I was working at, the owner came to me and said, I need you to stay here for forever and keep helping me work and run this <laughs> restaurant. And I need to give you a piece of this business so that that happens. And I was ready for that because of that previous restaurant tour had kind of incepted that into my head. Yes. Wow. That's amazing. Now, when you think about your restaurant journey, because I definitely want to talk about five out about the tech side. Sure. Um, it's the the thing that drives me every single every single day is understanding how do we how do we make more profitable businesses make a bigger impact be yep. bigger than you know when i opened up our restaurant in 2008 it was never to have a single unit barbecue restaurant um, in spring valley california i mean it was right. always bigger than and now we're at a point where so much tech has come in in the last 15 years in the last 20 years yep. the internet of things um which has allowed us to be more efficient I would argue allowed us to be more hospitable um, and put us in a position where you and I can have this conversation where I'm not even, I don't even remember what digital touch point you and I met, but you and I met on some digital playground. It might've been I think, LinkedIn. I think Insta or LinkedIn. It was Instagram or LinkedIn. And, you know, through a DM conversation, you told me you were building something. I was curious. I went and I looked at it. You said it integrates with toast. It integrates with seven shifts, both products that we use, that we celebrate, we talk about. And it was a tool that was an oh shit moment for me as an operator, because this type of technology just hasn't been available. And why hasn't it been available? Well, it took you as a restaurant owner to go, hey, I need this, right? But tell me how, tell me how it happened. Even more time sensitive and relevant, look at what has happened in our society in the last 48 hours with AI. Yes. Every person that you know, <laughs> for the most part, give or take, has downloaded an $8 app. I don't know the name of it and I haven't done it myself. So I, I haven't done it yet, but I've seen it proliferated yes. everywhere. Yes. And they're utilizing artificial intelligence to be able to recreate images of themselves, utilizing text language to get to this outcome. Across all platforms, Facebook, every TikTok, platform, Instagram, everywhere. LinkedIn, you name it, 100%. In, in a day and a half, and it's yep. everywhere. Yep. If you look at what the capital markets are focusing on and what VCs and the, and the big PE firms are focusing on, it was a little crypto for a little while, and now it's still a little crypto, but yep. it is a lot of AI and ML. Yep. And AI explain, and ML- Explain, for those that are listening, explain the difference between AI and ML. What are they? And just give me the basics. Bring us so, in. High, high level. Exceptionally high level, I would say machine learning is a derivation of artificial intelligence. 
And machine learning is essentially a computer recognizing patterns through the absorption and digestion of data. And with the understanding of those patterns, it then anticipates a likely and ultimately more continually likely probability of the next thing that will occur. So more simply said, if I see something trending in a particular direction, I can safely assume that that thing will continue to go in that direction unless there is some other indicator that comes in that says it won't. And yeah. vice versa, if something is trending down, if there is no indicator that shows that it's going to be trending up, then there will be no uptick. This is good for people to understand because a lot of the times, I think even fact that better the definition between the two things is what is the difference between a forecast and a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, a projection. Uh, if you look at the textbook definitions of projections versus forecast, a forecast is the thing that is likely to occur. The projection is the thing that you want to occur. So often when we're sitting at the uh, end of the year, huge. creating next year's budget. Huge. Right. Uh, here's my projection. This is what I would like to occur. But maybe my forecast is this. It's subjective it's versus objective. You exactly it's how, have it. It's how I feel. You exactly I feel have. based off of all the things yes. as a business owner of my understanding of how Thanksgiving went last year, That's right. as opposed to looking at the data set of right. sales that we did online, the sales right. we did in store, what was right. our labor cost, yep. is bringing in all of that data to give exactly. me an actual, hey, I know you have a feeling, but this is an objectionable piece of information that you can use to guide to, to, to be a more profitable business. Yes. And, and what are we supposed to do? as operators in the restaurant business, which is an incredibly hard business. We're trained by nature to be optimistic about the future. So if anybody we asks to us, be. <laughs> we, we can't thrive without it. That's the business we're in. Exactly. So our instinct and our training and everything that goes into what it is that we do is all positivity, all up, all, all the great time. outcome. But there needs to be a voice of reason in there. Yes. And the voice of reason is a machine learning model that doesn't feel one way or another about any of the factors that are happening in your business currently. And in that, it provides a great voice of truth, which you can either follow or listen to, or just consider. And it's really up to you. And that's the thing that I think is also really important to bring up on this call. AIML, it's for you to determine what percentage of the information that you're getting that you put into your decision-making process. And that's the thing that I think that people in the restaurant industry in particular will need to adopt yeah. as a part of their understanding of the process before artificial intelligence and machine learning makes its way into the restaurant industry in the way that I know it will over the next two, three, four, and five years. Because as of current, it's already in our lives in Netflix and Facebook and Tesla and Spotify. Spotify, right? And everything that we shop and everything that we view and everything that we digest and everything the personalization that, we say. that personalization happens because we've given them inputs i've exactly. given amazon my wife has given amazon inputs on the things that she purchases for my five-year-old son for my three-year-old daughter for herself for the house for me all of those inputs give her a stylized experience right. you know that is the digital hospitality experience but on the back end there's the learning that's happening the learning is feeding that's not that's not some magic you know, what's the difference between the machine learning and the algorithm? 
so the algorithm feeds the machine learning. So the okay. algorithm or algorithms, multiple, yep. feed the machine learning. And so the algorithm- that's, that's the same the with equation. social. So when, so when I'm clicking in TikTok on certain content, it's going yep. to feed me through machine learning, through also the algorithm, yep. content, more content like that that I want to see. Yes, in the algorithm, the machine learning allows the algorithm to grow yes. and learn. So for Five Out, for example, each restaurant that we currently are have a relationship with has an individualistic, unique machine learning model that yes. from day one is set to a particular starting point. And then we absorb uh, up to three years of data currently, or as little as uh, four or five weeks if, that, if, if you're starting out. And from the day that the machine starts digesting your sales data and your location data and your weather data and your scheduling data and your inventory management data and anything else that we can pull into the system, it on, then- On average, how many inputs are coming from, from per, per unit for a single unit? the user, but at a base minimum, it's about a half a dozen. And half a dozen for, is six. Yeah. Like, weather comes from Weather comes from where? So we pull that from a unique source, which is a third party okay. uh, that we're partnered with uh, to go 40 years back, geotagged to a single block. Wow. And then we also use a separate tool that actually artificially utilizes its own artificial intelligence model to forecast 16 days forward. And with wow. that, blending those two together in a ratio that makes the most amount of sense, dependent on what part of the country you are in, what city you are in, and also whether or not your business is increased or decreased by weather right so patio business out exactly yeah absolutely but if you're in if Seasonal. you're in a major metropolitan city and people stay inside of the building where they work when it rains and they pummel your business because they don't want to walk outside you might see an uptick when it rains so yes. the machine learning will study your model understand what was correlating and happening with the rain or not whatever weather is happening during that day and then make assumptions forward things that we know intrinsically as restaurateurs historically are going to occur but do holidays you <laughs> holidays i mean holidays it, it's an amazing because as as a restaurant 365 days or if you're open 364 whatever whatever your operating hours are yep. we all do holidays some of the holidays fall on the same day sometimes they don't sometimes they don't but right. guess what thanksgiving is thanksgiving is thanksgiving christmas is christmas is christmas but what about thanksgiving on a thursday correct versus new year's eve on a friday versus new year's eve on a monday on a monday or halloween on a monday correct and then the days left and right of it so we Co not correct 100 the day but we study the, day, the days on the left absolutely. and right side of it because if, yes. if valentine's day is a friday night you're going to see an uptick in business on wednesday and thursday for the people that don't want to go out on friday and then a business absolutely. and an uptick after for the people who want to go on saturday and sunday so there is so many dynamic points that this machine learning model actually ends up digesting, like I said, minimalistically about half a dozen in restaurants that have more data points that we're able to integrate with. Sometimes it's over a dozen, but then it, it does multiple millions of variable calculations to come up with what it thinks is the most likely outcome of all that data. And then that day occurs and then it recollects the outcome. And because machine learning, just like a human being, doesn't like to be wrong, it then reteaches and retrains itself to be more accurate the next day and the next day and the next day. So the more data, the better. And the accuracy always increases over time. It's amazing. I mean, just, you know, staying on topic and relevant to, you know, what you're talking about with AI and how, how much it's proliferated all over the internet and everyone's putting these profile photos up. But I mean, the Spotify rap, I know they've been doing that for multiple years, but I haven't seen it 
across industries the way that it has this year. Yep. Because on a on a macro level, when you think about consumption and I think about how much screen time am I using on my own smartphone, the thing that I tell every business owner and every tech company I work with, I'm like, I don't ever want to be on desktop anymore. I do everything on my phone. How can yep. I make it mobile friendly? But then I'm looking at what's my consumption pattern? Because if I, if I understand what my consumption is, then I can actually, now it's reminding me, and now it's not subconscious, like, Correct. oh, hey, I'm spending this amount of time on TikTok or, or Instagram, like, what are you doing there? Yep. But now I actually can know. And when I see Spotify rap, like the consumption side of like, this is what I'm listening to. I'm listening to this song a lot because guess what? It's the song my daughter requests every single day that we go to daycare. It's yep. one of the top songs that I have. But for me, it's an incredible point in culture, like where mm -hmm. technology has in invaded culture where it's like the Padres are making their own Spotify rap which fans then are resharing to say, this is a way for us to, and you know, Charity. Apple does Apple does it in some way too, where they're like, or Facebook, it's like, these are your memories, like bringing back information that's relevant to you. And the powerful thing about what you've built is you've built it so restaurants can be more profitable. We don't yeah, want to overstaff people. I don't want people to come and sit on the clock. I don't want to understaff the restaurant. Very few people want to be in a restaurant that's not busy, even if it financially behooves them, those people often, when we speak to them, and, and in my experience in restaurants, don't want to sit on a clock in an empty restaurant where they're not able to provide value. It just doesn't, yes. it's not, it's not intriguing it, and fun for them. It's not in our DNA. Absolutely. And I will go, I will go back a step here and say that that is what we are looking to do is to optimize outcomes for restaurant staffs and teams, as well as ownership by way of right sizing the labor as well as the cogs and yeah. the ultimate end goal here is can we increase the net profitability of the business so we're going backwards our goal is restaurant margins have an infinitesimally small margin yes which is unfortunate because it, restaurants are also the largest labor force in the united states of america yep. so not a lot of people know that and they and they i think that they should people who work in restaurants such as, such as you and i getting a little emotional here are the largest workforce in the united states and to be able to take care of those people means that these businesses need to be successful. Yes. And for them to be successful means that the mar the small margins that they make already need to be as efficient as possible so that we can grow the businesses, which then allows for us to grow all of these people that work in these restaurants. And helps us take care of them. Exactly. The more profitable we are, the more we can take care of our own team. And if and a business the things is that we sliding, want. Correct. If a business is going under, people are going to be affected by way of loss of shifts, maybe potentially loss of jobs, decreased earnings. And of course, that's that's not great. So what do we do? We take the whole set of data that we can get for a single restaurant and we utilize that to forecast what's going to happen forward currently up to 35 days. So when we launched this, it was initially a week and then we did two and then people asked us for 30. And then people asked us if you could do 35 because they were working on a 445 accounting schedule. And so now we currently forecast 35 days forward. And what that allows is people to understand first and foremost what their revenues are going to be in advance, whether it's a day, a week, two weeks, or up to 35 days. And then we ask them for their custom costs of goods and custom costs of labor targets for their business model. We program those into the system and outcomes a labor budget that is either a percentage of revenue or it is sales per labor hour, or it can be a labor matrix. If you know you want to have this amount of people working 
per this amount of people coming into the restaurant, whatever it is. And with that, you then get a weekly, daily, hourly schedule. And then you get a weekly and hourly COGS budget with which to spend against. And the whole goal is, if I have 50 people coming in on a Monday night and I know I need X amount of people to come in uh, to staff that, and I know that they're going to order these things, I want to have that exact right amount because that's going to make the smoothest service. Yep. Guests are going to be happy. Staff is going to be happy. Everything works out from a financial perspective at the end as a byproduct. Over-purchasing on COGS or under-purchasing or over-scheduling or under-scheduling are the two greatest plights to the restaurant industry currently. And anything that can that can resolve that and help provide visibility where there currently isn't in, in this crazy world that we live in is exactly the thing that we're looking to provide. And to your point, it hasn't been done yet. So we're doing something that's a little bit different and the learning curve is interesting. But I, <laughs> but I do see, like we've initially been discussing, AI and ML is becoming more and more prevalent in our day-to-day -day lives. And it's becoming more acceptable to the point where you, you said Spotify has had these wrapped data that they could have been sharing for years and years, but they didn't. But yep. they now, I believe, feel comfortable with people understanding that, listen, we're, we're trying to service you by collecting this information on, on you. No more than the top restaurants in the world are collecting information on, you know, where do the people who are coming in tonight, uh, where do they work, where, what do they love, where do they go to school, um, what are their interests, so we can do something special and unique for them to surprise them. It's all hospitality. It's, it's all, all like, it's can, all can I delight you? Can, yes. I, can I blow you away? Can I do something that you didn't expect and surprise? Um, and, and that's that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about at the end of the day. Well, it's a hundred percent because it's, it's listening. Like, isn't that the essence of what hospitality is, is a deeper understanding of paying understanding. attention, watching, yeah, pay, listening, pay attention, listen. Yeah. Cause if you value the input that I'm giving you, no matter what that input is, whether it's voice, whether it's my purchasing behavior, whether it's the things I listen to, the things I consume, if you, if you pay attention, now you can serve me a personalized experience more tailored towards me. It's the difference between sending an email blast to everybody in our Cali barbecue media email list. Some people consume our content because they want to learn about digital hospitality. They're business owners, they're restaurant owners, they, they're tech people, they're salespeople. They want to learn about digital hospitality. I don't need to send them an email about our holiday upcoming, you know, barbecue special that we're running at the restaurant. That's, that's a, that's not digitally hospitable. And for me, what my goal is with this show and what we've tried to do is to connect the dots, you know, to be as transparent as possible in our barbecue restaurants through media of how do I build a, the tech stack? This tech stack works for me. It doesn't mean that it's perfect for every restaurant, but if I find the key players, the people that are actually doing the things that we believe in to connect all of these dots, because no, nobody's going to be the one, one all be all toast won't be it. We love toast. I was just at toast headquarters. I absolutely love everything that they're doing. But the reason why we love them so much is that the leadership at the top, no matter how big the company gets, they have strong integration partners. They, that was true two years ago. It's true to this day. And for you to have such a strong relationship with toast, I mean, you know, where toast is, is now, and you know, where they're going. So for well, you as, as, as a tech leader, you have to make you have to make decisions, right? Because you don't want to just only be available to Toast, because I know you're available on other other point of sale platforms. So I'm a Toast user in my restaurants, and I'm a Seven Shifts user in my restaurants, and I feel like those are best in class tools, and I feel like there's other good tools that are out there as well, but those are my two favorite in those categories, and that's what I use. And because of that, I did build out uh, five out on those two systems, and work closely with senior leadership at both Toast and, and Seven Shifts, who have been 
very, very open, um, literally and figuratively, right? Through yep. both APIs and, and community, as well as helping and supportive to be able to allow us to get to the point of where we're at now. And yes, we have found other people who are on different tech stacks, because like you said, people have different proclivities and different needs and different interests. And so, yes, we have expanded a bit outside of that, but I do believe ultimately that those two systems are not only the best in class systems because they are so very dedicated to customers, customer obsessed and in a healthy way. I also believe it's very much having to do with this cloud-based open API data sharing system and allowing everyone to rise together collectively to achieve the ultimate end all goal that we're all trying to get to, which is happy customers, because what else are we doing here? And again, circling back to that's hospitality at the end of the day. What do we want to do? We want to make people happy. If we wanted to just make money, we'd be in banking, we'd be bankers, or we'd make software for bankers. But restaurateurs who make software for restaurant people are hospitality driven, pure pure and simple. Is it harder to start a restaurant or a tech company? Oh, <laughs> wow. There's uh, no better show to talk about this. <laughs> man, I'll tell you, if I'm being very honest, I want to say that starting a restaurant is harder because of the multitude of variable uncontrollables. And that's simply having to do with the nature of real estate, investors, lenders, the Department of Health, getting your gas turned on, electrical, and staffing and all those things coming to the to to the starting point at one point um i would say that is more challenging and requires more juggling um and and also while you're doing it you're typically also working another full-time job and it's typically that job is on your feet and that is a all-encompassing exhaustive job so you're really working like two and a half jobs in the capacity of starting a tech company you have much more of a singular focus and there are less plates to spin. And perhaps some of those are a little bit more challenging, but the success percentages I think are about the same. I think it's like, you know, 80% of restaurants close within the four, first four years, if, if memory serves. And I think it's something along the lines of like eight to 10% of tech startups ever see true VC funding, which really? means- yeah. So 90 plus percent of them aren't actually really? getting. Wow. Yeah. So if you don't bootstrap, um, you don't get there. Uh, so I think that there is an equivalent difficulty in each, but I have opened over 20 restaurants in my lifetime. Um, and I've only been materially part of this tech startup. I've been an advisor to some others. And so I've seen the lens through some other people's eyes, but I want to say restaurants are just the tiniest bit harder. Also, I, I think maybe I'm just a little bit more romantic about restaurants because I've been at it for so long. And maybe uh, after I'm at food tech for 25 years, I'll, I'll get equivalently as romantic about it. So what is, what are you building? I mean, what is your pitch when you go to investors now? I mean, what, what is, what is the long-term roadmap? Because if we've learned anything in the last three years, it's whatever we, we plan on is going to change. But I mean, I think at the core of what you're building um, is something special. That's why I was so excited to spend some time with you to share your story on digital hospitality. We're going to be doing more content and, you know, doing, doing machine learning content, AI content, you know, how does this integrate with the tools that we're already using? I mean, it's funny because you and I, the first time we talked, 
I said, did you build the crystal ball? Like this is the, the proverbial crystal ball that somebody says when you show them your business plan for your restaurant. Well, what are your sales going to be? I have no fucking clue what my sales are going to be. Are you kidding? Like, I'm, this is what I hope my sales are. I hope that people come and buy my breakfast and they come and buy my barbecue and they come and have drinks at the bar and they come and watch sports and fight night. Like that's my hope. And I'm going to do anything relentlessly every single day to fill right. this restaurant, to have people care about this restaurant, to support this community. But well, I have do- no idea. Are people going to come to my party? That's are it. Are they going to come? Are they going to RSVP? And when they RSVP, are they actually going to show up? And what time are they going to show up? What time are they, they going to bring extra up? people? Are they going to buy or... anything when they show up? <laughs> exactly. Do I have to discount for them to show up? Yeah. So I think the thing that we're, we originally set out to do was to take all of the tech, oh, excuse me, all the data that restaurants were sitting on. And this was 2016 when my myself and my co-founder, Mike, originally got going on the just kind of conception of what this was going to become at the time, point of sale, reservations, inventory management, analytics systems, wine inventory, because I had a a big, big wine inventory, but each one siloed, not connected. So you had to A, pull CSV flat files, which is difficult. I'm talking about walking down to a basement office to put a thumb drive into a server. I won't mention the company. Can we get rid of basement offices? Can we get rid of back dungy offices in hospitality, please? To to pull the data out, to drop it into a C or to drop it into an Excel document and then pull another data. And then we actually, Mike did, Mike wrote, um, whose background he's been coding since he was 12. um, And um, so he can do this and do this very easily, uh, wrote some algorithms. We took this information from reservations and point of sale and inventory management and analytics and said, okay, let's drop all this information into this manual algorithm that, that Mike wrote and utilize it to forecast what was going to happen. Because with all of the just automated generated reports, it's a, it's a ton of reading. And then if you get into the customization reports of each yeah. of these systems, you you could sit around and do nothing else, but but come up with new different ways to slice the data and look at it and analyze right. it. But guess what? I'm not an MBA. I'm not a data, data analyst. I'm not a data engineer. I have half of a, do- a photography degree and the rest of my-, <laughs> rest of my Half of a photography degree? Half. So um, <laughs> I am not a analyst. I'm just not. And and that was my job through a lot of different places that I worked. And it's a lot of people's. It's sous chefs jobs and it's chefs jobs and it's managers jobs and it's AGMs jobs and bar manager jobs and sommeliers jobs and VPs of ops and finance jobs. All these people's jobs to be analysts, but most of them aren't. That's not what they do. They're in the hospitality industry. So let's take the data review away. First and foremost, let's not review it. Second of all, let's combine it. Let's bring it all into one place. Third of all, let's put a weight and a bias. And that's that's something that I want you to remember, make a mental note, weights and biases. When you decide whether or not you're going to go to this place or that place versus vacation and you do a pluses and minuses, this is the good thing, this is the good thing, this is the good thing, this is the bad thing, and then you compare it to this, that's weight and bias. Yep. Weight and bias is the underlying simple way to explain machine learning. We have a bunch of different factors, but each factor has a different percentage of importance and that changes and that is machine learning. That's a real simple way to explain it. So yes. putting a weight and a bias to each one of these different data points that's coming in from each one of these different silos and then utilizing that to forecast what's going to occur is even not enough. So forecasting revenue for us is just the very tip of the iceberg. The next thing we do is automate the budget of yes. labor and automate the budget of cogs to the point where even in the last two or three weeks, we have actually launched 
the forecasting of item level sales. So forget here's how much money you need to spend. This is actually what you're going to sell by day, by individual unit. With this, you can then automatically build purchase orders and prep lists. And that actually, um, full transparency, was what the original tool was intended to do full circle. It was originally, wow. the company was called Closed Loop. We actually changed the name to Five Out because we thought it was going to be a little bit more uh, approachable and, and um, something that more people- Why Five Out? Why Five Out? So thank you. Thank you. If you no, thank you. I, I, have, I have it right here. It's, I have to ask him. If Why you've five? expedited in a restaurant or been on the hotline of a restaurant yep. and expediters calling out, you know, where are we on table 21? Might be two, three, four, five minutes out, right? So that's inside baseball. That's where yep. the name comes from for people in the industry who understand 80, that. 80, 86, which is much more popularized across culture. Exactly. And yep. then for people who aren't in the industry and they ask, what does five out mean? Well, we tell them we predict, you know, five minutes, five hours, five days, and currently five weeks out. So you have that visibility uh, looking outwards. But originally, the company's name was Closed Loop. And the whole concept of a closed loop is that you never actually have to get involved in the process. Yes. So what our next phase of the company is, if we can automate your labor schedule, and then we can understand through a relationship with Seven Shifts or a relationship with some other tool that's out there, what the HR requirements are for people in terms of when do I want to work? When can I work? When am I working most efficiently? When am I going to make the most amount of money? And tie those two things together, we can actually automate a schedule. And then since we're, since we're already forecasting item level sales and also understanding what the demand is going to be, and we know what your budget is, then we can actually get to a point where we can automate prep lists. We can automate purchase orders. And in partnering with tools like Extra Chef and Margin Edge and Restaurant 365 and Craftable, we can then build purchase orders and prep lists with which to then send directly to vendors. The restaurant tour, no different than a Tesla, should be sitting in the driver's seat, hands near the wheel, ready to make adjustments if necessary, but theoretically they should allow for these things to occur yes. and they should be making minor adjustments. That's what I think is the future of AI and ML. It's not full automation. It's great optionality created by digestion of technology and data by a computer and present me, you, and the whole rest of the world with what are the greatest options for us. Let's just call it three options. Here's what I think you should do. Here's slightly right of center. Here's slightly left of center. You choose. Yes. And if you want to, you can put a toggle on where if you don't choose by a certain period of time, I'll just go with that target. Yep. And if you don't want to change it at all, we'll just do something for you. And that I think is going to be the next phase of easing into allowing automation to be able to make decisions for us no different than when Netflix, if you don't turn something on, what does Netflix do? It turns something on for you, yes. right? That's something we're easing into. And I think that's the next phase of not only where we go, but where ultimately where artificial intelligence and machine learning goes. That's amazing. So if you guys are listening to this, uh, please join us every Wednesday, every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific time, 1 p.m. Eastern time. We do a on the social audio app Clubhouse. We have an incredible group of digital hospitality leaders. So restaurant owners, content creators, um, sales professionals, marketing professionals, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs. Um, but we all get there and we just we just get our hands dirty. Get up on stage, tell your story, tell us what you're working on. Um, please join us at that clubhouse room. But Brandon, um, how can people best get in touch with you if they have a restaurant? Um, they're curious, they're, they're on... Uh, you, you've you've done an amazing job. I mean, the beautiful thing about podcasting for me, having done it for so long, is that 
we can have a great conversation about the thing that I'm most passionate about. I can give someone a seat at the table of a founder. You not only are you a founder of a tech company, but like, you know, there's a cliche in hospitality tech where it's like, it's a rest, the restaurant tours, like we're, we're, we're a restaurant a tech company run by restaurant tours. Well, you're like legitimately running restaurants and building a tech company. So it's completely different level, like completely different level. Your, your, ba your beta is your restaurants. Like if it doesn't true. work for me, if it doesn't work for my restaurants, I'm not rolling it out to any, any other clients. 100%. 100%. So how can people best uh, find you, get in touch with you, uh, learn more about five out. So the easiest way is definitely to go to the website, um, which is five out five, then five out.io. And then, um, honestly, I, I speak to almost gosh, I, I think there's not a client that I haven't spoken to of ours at this, at this point. So anybody can reach out to me directly. So yeah. um, um, you can DM me um, via LinkedIn and I'll reach out to people or you can just connect with me uh, through my email, which is Brandon, B-R-A-N-D-E-N at 5-O-U-T.io. And um, I'm looking forward to talking to anybody who wants to chat. Yeah, and I think uh, for those of you that, that listen to the show that have stayed here for this long, you know how much we believe in The Third Door. The Third Door is a, it's a book actually, which best summarize this idea of how I've lived my life, but there's, there's the, the club. If life was like a club, there's the, the regular line that everyone's waiting in. Then there's a VIP line that some people are fortunate to be on the VIP list. And then there's the third door. The third door is behind the back alley through the kitchen, pay the tip guard, pay the security guard, come in through, ask somebody, know somebody. It's the Ray Liotta. It's, there's always a different way. And now with the digital tools that we have in our fingertips, the fact that you're listening to this show, you can reach out to Brandon. You can find out how it's going to help your restaurant, help your business. Maybe you're in a different business set and you just want to learn about machine learning. Like we have no idea what conversation today will lead to big business opportunities into the future. We've started to help some of our restaurant clients and restaurant friends and guests who actually own other hospitality yes. businesses. So yep. I'm not retail wine stores, retail shops. If you purchase and you schedule labor and you're in the hospitality industry, we want to help. So we're starting to, to deal with some of those edge cases and work on some of those edge cases as well, which is fun and interesting too. No surprise to me that digital hospitality tools are not just helping restaurants, but will help all businesses moving forward. Super sure, excited. Thank you for, uh, for having us. Uh, thank you for being on the show, for sharing your knowledge. And um, please go visit fiveout.io. Um, and thank you guys for listening. Uh, please share it with a friend, subscribe, and we will catch you next week. Boom.